This is Keep It Simple, a weekly discussion of significant issues regarding the Word of God and His people. Our host is Pastor Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Pasadena, and the Simple Truths Radio Ministries. Good day, and welcome to Keep It Simple, the weekly internet talk show of the Simple Truths Radio Network with Pastor Xavier Reese, Pastor X. How you doing, Tom? A little chilly today. A little bit. A little chilly. No rain, though. Thank the uh-huh. Lord. We had a clear day and easy traffic coming in. Also with us in the studio today, our production engineer, John Duran. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 218. Amen. Comes after 217. Well, we're making progress. <laughs> right. Also, Pastor Sam Trotto helping us out with video today. And uh, today, Pastor X, we're going to continue on. Recent broadcasts, we've been spending some time working, slowly working our way through the attributes of God. Yeah in some pretty good detail, and we had recently discussed God's omnipotence, his all-power, his omnipresence, he's everywhere, uh, his omniscience, all-knowledge, and then we got a little more specific into foreknowledge and God's wisdom. Uh, Pastor X, you mentioned the fact that we call those incommunicable. What does that mean? Those are attributes that God alone has. In other words, he doesn't share those with anybody else. Um, there are communicable attributes, and those are the ones that he imparts to us. And we'll look at uh, one of those uh, today, holiness, if we have enough time. Amen. And, um, but these are attributes that he alone possesses. Uh, no one's uh, all-knowing, all-present, all-powerful, or no one has foreknowledge. These are his alone, and um, he has them. Every, every one of his attributes are to perfection. So in other words, there's no way that God can make any mistake by virtue of his person and uh, confirmed by his attributes. It's interesting because in talking to believers, some, some people get the inclination or they get this idea that uh, the devil is omnipresent right. or has different attributes that we attribute to the Lord. Yeah. And he doesn't. No, no. He's a created being. He is second in heaven. Led the rebellion against the angels, but uh, he's not all-knowing, he's not all-present, he's not all-powerful. Um, when Paul calls him the God of this world in 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, it's with a small g. Amen. He's um, like any other God that is worshipped. Uh, now he does have power. He yeah. does have uh, access to um, the world fallenness, and he influences uh, those in power. But uh, he, he's not God. Mm-hmm. And then he, do, he has a great... Uh, information network with all yes. of his these other angels that work with him sure. and whatever else demons and the rest but fortunately no he doesn't he doesn't know he can't he can't read my mind no it does seem like the, the thoughts can come into my mind sure. from uh, you know evil places but yeah he can't read my mind one of the um, uh, attributes of the Lord that is, uh, we wanted to spend some time talking about today is sovereignty, God's sovereignty. And when I when I say that, I think about a sovereign, like a king, yeah. or something, but obviously not the same. Yeah. Well, God's sovereignty is um, um, really because of His perfection and attributes in His person. He can do what He wants, when He wants, as He wants, to who He wants, wherever He wants, and it's always the best choice. There's never any failure, no fault, no shortcoming, nothing. So when people worry about God's decisions, 
or anything else is, mm -hmm. is, uh, is, is ludicrous. Uh, whatever God decides, it's perfect. From the human perspective, we have the problem because we're trying to figure it out. Yeah. Sometimes God describes things in the scriptures and people say, well, I can't see how that would happen. Well, can you describe me Genesis 1-1? In the beginning, God <laughs> created the heaven and the earth out of nothing? No. Well, then, you know, you can't take divine things and, and, and divine revelation and even prophecy um, and try to understand it with a rational mind. Um, he's going to bring it to pass one way or the other. Sometimes he uses um, human instruments and nations mm -hmm. uh, through a very natural way. But there's other times that he intervenes miraculously and he brings that through. So again, when we lean to our understanding, we, we make a, a, a very bad mistake. Amen. I know we all have had situations where God intervenes in our lives and allows circumstance to take place. And as you mentioned at the moment, we're like lost. Like, why would the Lord, why on earth would the Lord allow this to take place? Right. But in the passage of time, as you look back, you see that he had a purpose and that specific things transpire that were obviously part sure. of his plan, yeah. but you don't see that until after the right. fact. Yeah, Daniel, perfect example of Daniel. Daniel's there. Um, he's betrayed by his son, by his brothers. Mm -hmm. He is sold. He's treated unjustly. He's envied. He's everything. But he was he was no angel. He provoked a lot of his brothers too. That's something that people don't always point out. And um, though he didn't deserve that, and then he's sold, and he goes to Potiphar, and then he's accused falsely by his wife. Yeah. And here he is in jail. But God had the future in mind for the nation of Israel. And so God in his sovereignty overrode the evil of the brothers and turned it for good. Yeah. Okay, that's something we don't understand. Um, but in the long run, we see God's wisdom. And then sometimes we sow the flesh and we reap the consequences and God's not in it. It's just natural consequences. Yeah, amen. And yet God in His sovereignty may override certain things or just get us through those certain things. We yeah, don't know. He does. He does. Yeah. I mean, so often, you know, you, you mess up and, and it, God is very gracious. Yeah. And, you know, not always. Not always. Know, not yeah. always. Not always. But God is good. God is always good yeah. to us. And like you said, I mean, not, in Joseph's case there, not only was it the best thing for his family. Yeah. But it wasn't like God was sacrificing. It was really the best thing for him as well. Right, right. So pretty amazing. Yeah. You would think, I mean, it seems reasonable that the whole of Scripture is a testimony to the sovereignty of God all the way through. Sure. Well, just the fact that um, he creates man and he initiates a plan for man, and yet man throws that plan away, mm -hmm. no surprise to God, um, and yet God works that in a way that now he gives a plan for man to be redeemed back to God through the fallen nature of man, through Adam and Eve. Uh, but God is still working on behalf of the good of man. Amen. Not everybody's going to accept that plan. Not everybody's going to believe what the Bible says. But that's, again, a, a, a choice that man has. Man is, uh, is not ignorant. Man is not incapable of understanding the gospel. If he couldn't understand it, then God would be unjust to condemn man Amen. for rejecting the gospel. But it's his heart that he 
chooses to yield to in an evil to reject the message, the revelation of salvation. That's a willful choice. When the gospel goes forth, the God by his Holy Spirit illuminates the mind and heart of man. He allows him to understand his lostness. Mm -hmm. Whether he believes and agrees with God and takes a step to repent, God doesn't do that. But he will shed light on him to bring conviction. Yeah. But it's up to the individual to repent. Because if God forced him to repent, then God would be deceiving himself that yeah. really his salvation was of his own free will. It would be a shotgun wedding. That's right. You know, and, it, it, and God it, doesn't do that. Yeah, it wouldn't work out. Amen. It's interesting that in, in from a certain perspective, the whole of Scripture is a struggle between God setting forth his perspective and wisdom and direction for people and the struggle really on our part to do the right thing and acknowledge what the Lord's John, doing. Habakkuk the prophet, he says, you know, I mean, he's going to take Israel and have Babylon judge him. Habakkuk the prophet says, hey, I, you know, I, I, you know I'm, I'm the prophet, show me. He said, if I told you, you wouldn't believe it in Habakkuk 1, 6. And God shows him <laughs> what he's going to do. He says, you know, I can't, why? You know, and he doesn't believe it. He doesn't believe it. <laughs> he can't understand it. And so, once again, why would God take somebody more evil to judge his people? Yeah. Well, because God is holy, and we're going to get into that. Yeah. And he has to judge sin. And w whether it be directly through his own judgment or through the instrument of someone else as chastising. So you see the um, Babylonian Empire was superseded by the Medo-Persian Empire, mm -hmm. and that was superseded by Greece, and then by Rome, and God is using the previous nation to be judged by the one that's taken over. Um, God put Israel in Egypt, and then he used Israel to judge the nations that he gave 430 years to repent, and they did not repent. And so God's sovereignty um, includes all of his knowledge, all of his wisdom, all of his ability to be present everywhere at the same time, so that he needs no counsel from man. He needs not be questioned, uh, but he is good enough to allow us to make the choice. But we cannot blame God for our own choice. Amen. Important. You know, it's interesting. It, it seems, you know, almost human nature for people to find fault with God's decisions. I mean, we see that all throughout sure. the scripture yeah. as well. Even, even when God is good to somebody else, I, it's easy for me to find fault with that. Sure, sure. Mm -hmm. these, all these uh, things operate, as you said, at the, at the discretion of the Lord, He by his decision. Yeah. And, and thank the Lord because he has all knowledge, because he has all, yeah. all of the information at his access, and we don't. Yeah. We don't understand yeah. So, I mean, obviously, the obvious thing here is we should trust the Lord with a blank check, without any qualification. Right. We should be confident in his ability. Right. You know, the parable of the laborers in Matthew 20, um, he says, is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with my own things? Yeah. And so he, and, and again, it's a parable to illustrate what he's talking about, but nevertheless, uh, from the human perspective, even though man is inferior and not perfect, he has sovereignty over his own possessions. And that's the point. God does as he wills, but he never is going to do anything out of character with his attributes or anything unjust and everything else. Amen. So that's important. Amen. 
all, all of the, the attributes that we talk about here, right. they all operate within that framework yes. of consistency. So we've covered, as we said before, a number of attributes that are incommunicable, like God's sovereignty. People have sovereignty, but it's like it's human sovereignty. It's, right. It bears no resemblance really to what we, what we talk about when we talk about God's sovereignty. We'd like to maybe take some time and examine, develop some of the attributes of God that he does impart to people, maybe things that uh, we can imitate. Uh-huh. And the force, first of those would probably be God's moral attributes. Yeah. Um, God, in these attributes that he has, um, that are communicable, mm-hmm. they, we share with him in, in that aspect um, um, holiness, um, mm-hmm. wisdom to an extent. We go to him, we ask him for wisdom. And on and on and on, mercy, grace, goodness, kindness, um, all these he imparts to us to be able to impart to others. So we are first recipients of that which we give to others. And so, in, in, in effect, we are Christ-like. That's what Christian means, Amen. Christ-like. Uh, not by our own goodness, not by our own ability or talents, um, but by yielding to the Word of God, the Spirit of God, and allow him to do in us what we cannot do ourselves, and that's important. And that's the miracle, see yes. God change people and yeah. affect their lives in ways that you might never think possible. Yeah. What is the best way for us to identify, explain or define holiness, Pastor X? Um, holiness uh, in itself, um, again, belongs only to the glory of God. Mm-hmm. Holiness is purity to perfection. For God, there is no flaw in Him. The heavens of heaven are not pure in His sight. Uh, he is a pure eyes and behold evil. Habakkuk says, and that means that He cannot look at sin with approval. Doesn't mean that He doesn't see the evil. Doesn't mean that He doesn't see the atrocities of humanity. It means that He doesn't look upon them with approval or condoneness or participation. Right. And so He condemns them completely. And so many people fall God in this, says, well, if God is God, then why doesn't he do something? Why doesn't he stop it? Mm-hmm. Well, the thing is that God has set a plan uh, for the redemption of man, and he's working it out through this period of fallen uh, humanity. Right. And he doesn't force us to believe, and yet in, in, in this plan that he has, the only way we can be holy is by repenting our sins and asking him to forgive us, and then our holiness is imparted to us by a sanctified life to God, uh, by the Word of God, by the Holy Spirit. But we are not holy unto perfection as God. We have flaws. We still have sin mm-hmm. nature. Mm-hmm. So now there are some people that have tried to teach the, um, the sinliness of man or the perfection of man somewhere down the road, there, but it doesn't happen. Uh, we have a divine nature and we have a human nature still. Right. But again, we can... We don't have to be subject to that, um, the evil nature of the old man if we reckon the dead and yield to the Lord and put on the mind of Christ and put on the new man. It's interesting, people who teach that sinless perfectionism, and they, they, they teach that you're born again, right. you have the mind of Christ, uh, and you know, you're, you've been, you know, you're, you're a new crea- creation, and so you no longer sin. Right. At some point in time, 
they turn a blind eye to the failures in their own lives. Of course. They start to, sure. you know, they deny 1 John uh, chapter 1, verses 9 and 10, mm. which says, you know, if you agree with God, if you yeah. confess your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive. Right. But if you don't acknowledge you're failing, you know, right. you're out there on your own. Right. Very important yeah. stuff. Yeah. And much of this Eric, carries over to other things like the uh, positive confession faith yes. doctrine. Yeah. You know, um, and, and it's always, you know, if you're really a man of faith, a woman of faith, and you're believing God, then you're not going to be sick. So here you have a runny nose and, you know, you're deathly sick, but you say, I'm not going to confess, I'm not going to confess. Well, now you're a liar. So, um, <laughs> That's right. It, 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 it's, it, it's ludicrous. Yeah. And it's just a bunch of spiritual cheerleading that... Um, indoctrinates people to deception and the denial of reality. And um, it happens at many different levels. Amen. God help us. Give us wisdom. Now we, as you mentioned before, we as believers can be holy, but there's a real difference between the way we as believers in Christ can be holy and people who don't know the Lord who try to be good and do good things. Sure. There's a major, major uh, breakdown there. Sure. Again, that, as we said earlier, um, our holiness comes from our repentance. Mm -hmm. We become new creatures, 2 Corinthians 5.17. And so when I acknowledge my sin and I ask Christ to forgive me for my sin and to be my Lord and Savior, then He gives me that divine nature. Now I have the ability to escape the corruption of this world, which will lead me to sanctified holy living rather than polluted, self-living. Right. And so Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3 and 4, he gives us that divine nature that we might escape the crutch of this world through the promises of God. And so it's not trusting ourselves, it's leaning and yielding to the new nature and denying, like Romans 6, 6 says, we have reckoned the old man dead in repentance, but we have to reckon him daily, verse 11, mm -hmm. every day. And you've got to put on the armor of God, Ephesians 6, and you've got to do good warfare to end up standing, and you've got to bring your thoughts into captivity, as 2 Corinthians 10, uh, 3 to 4, 5 says, and, uh, and to the obedience of Christ. Because the attack is not against me, really. It's against the Word of God. Amen. This goes back to the garden. Uh, Satan says, has God said? See, the attack is always about God's Word, about His revelation. Amen. Interesting. And so we are able to be holy through that, through the gateway of repentance, no other way. And now people who are not <clears throat> born again, they really don't even have the capacity to allow the Lord to work in their lives that they might draw near to Him and abstain from sin. No. I mean, they're, they're part and parcel. No. They're, they're dead in, in trespasses and sins, right. just like you and I were before we were yeah. born again. Now, Amen. you can be religious, you can be moral, you can be ethical. Mm -hmm. Perfect example, there could be a young man or a young woman, sexually pure, moral, ethical, they restrain themselves from giving in to different things in society. But in their heart, they're not perfect. Right. There's still a problem. Okay. They still have sin nature. Yeah. So we don't want to confuse morality and being ethical with being born again. There's a big difference. Yeah. Okay. And so this is the work that God can do alone. Not our own goodness, not our own discipline, not our own um, religiosity or whatever right. it may be. You know, discipline. It's totally different. Um, it's interesting, too, how Jesus really brings that to the forefront in the Sermon on the Mount. How he, he takes it beyond outward appearance. Right. 
to the point of, uh, I mean, the, the classic example, if you look at a woman to lust after her, right. you've already committed adultery right. in your heart. And he, he's making it plain to people right. that it's not about it, what you do. It's, the, it's who right. you are inside. Right. right. The heart is a problem all the time. Amen. Um, we, we, can, um, we can restrain certain things, but God looks at our heart. And so people may say, well, I never committed this, but you did in your heart. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody who says they haven't, they're, they're, now they're liars again um, because we all fall short one time or another. But being a Christian, we have a greater ability to please God by the Word of God, the power of the Holy Spirit. The Word of God gives us the parameters, uh, our living hope, what we can do. The Spirit of God enables us to yield to it and to implement it and obey it. So it isn't um, um, positive confession, it isn't power of mind you know, um, mind over matter or whatever it may be, but it's God working in us to transform us more like Him. Yeah, yeah. And, and that He loves us, so we love Him. And when you love someone, you don't want to hurt them. When you love someone, you want to please them. Amen. Um, you want to be loyal and faithful, not just when they're around, but when they're not around. Yeah, and that's a hard and thing so because that's important. the world teaches us to look good. Yeah. You know, I, I, I used to be youth pastor. I used to tell the kids in high school that I, went, I learned one thing in high school. Do whatever you want to and don't get caught. And, and that was, you know, that was yeah. my mantra. That's what I did as a, as a young person. But, you know, Jesus really elevates that in a powerful way because it's about who you really are inside. Yeah. And, you know, the, the instruction of Scripture not to, uh, you know, for, for, in, for instance, in, in First Peter, you know, slaves, serve your masters, not with eye service, yeah. as men pleasers, right. but from the heart. Right. You, want, right, right. you have to have... And he's talking to those servants that are being mistreated. Yeah. Um, yeah. Some of them tremendously. Um, he says to the good and the evil. Yeah. Um, because a lot of people, you know, question, well, well, do I have to admit? Yeah. I mean, you, I mean, there was, I mean, the majority of the Roman world were slaves. Huge numbers of people. I Absolutely, mean, you know, it was a um, whole economic system. Yeah, the whole yeah. thing, and um, and and now they were Christians that they were representing Christ, mm -hmm. and so Paul lays it down on them. Amen, amen. It's interesting as a believer, Pastor X, when you you have that can you haven't done anything wrong. You didn't, you know, you cross the T's, you dot the I's, but you have that conviction in your heart that your attitude is wrong sure. about a situation, you know. Nobody can see it, right. but you recognize, you know, and you have to go to the Lord yeah. and you have to repent and ask Him to forgive you. And, yeah. and sometimes, you know, I mean, it's not, it's difficult because you can't just change your, the way you feel inside. Right. You have to ask the Lord to deal with it yeah. and to straighten out your understanding. You know, as believers, we we can be holy, unlike the people of the, this world, but as you said before, the Lord is holy to perfection, right. to that extreme, to every detail, and we're we're not like that. Yeah, yeah. You know, holiness is just the attribute that most um, glorifies God. Amen. Completely. Um, some have called it the attributes of attributes. Uh, the word holy is found about forty-five times in Exodus. 77 in Leviticus, 32 times in Numbers, and 20 in Deuteronomy. I Amen. mean, those are the first books of the Bible. 
yeah. part of the Pentateuch. Fa foundation. And, 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 and God's holiness is all through there. He's called the Holy One of Israel 30 times in Isaiah and only 20 times in the rest of the Old Testament. So the focus of Isaiah is the holiness of God as he was proclaiming the judgment that was coming. Amen. Do we see the same kind of emphasis in the New Testament, Pastor X? Sure. New Testament is the same thing. You have uh, uh, Jesus continually always uh, uh, pointing that out. Um, in, in Luke one thirty-five, the angel told Mary, and the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Amen. And so the very incarnation, the very conception of Jesus is through the Holy Spirit, the third person. The one being conceived, the one being um, developed and growing in her womb and coming forth from her womb would be the God-man the Redeemer, the seed of the woman. It's amazing. Yeah, I really, you think about, you know, Mary's perspective. I mean, she was just, obviously, she was just trusting God, but had to be some pretty uh, wild ideas yeah. in her mind. What on earth is going on here? Yeah. Yeah. Um, God is so faithful. Everybody is always questioning, questioning the, uh, the origin of Jesus, whether yeah. he was truly the son of Mary or not. Maybe she had an affair with one of the soldiers or something, right? right? Well, this is the idea um, the Jews pushed. Right, that's what they pushed. Yeah. And yet, um, every time Jesus came across a demon-possessed person, he'd say, Hi, Jesus, son of God, what are you doing? Are you <laughs> they, they knew. Don't, don't torment it before the time. And he calls him the Holy One of God Amen. in Luke 4.34. Yeah, that's wild. And so, the demons know who Jesus is. <laughs> that's a, that's a, an awesome... Yeah testimony to yeah. the truth you know that that you have that that supernatural evidence right there yeah. it seems pretty plain in the scripture that scripture is constantly revealing that the lord is very different than we are and i, th I think especially in the aspect of holiness um you know from as you said before from the very beginning yeah. from the get-go you know, God is different than we are. Yeah. The and, entire law uh, mm -hmm. emphasizes and reminds uh, Israel of, of the holiness of God. The people could not approach Mount Sinai. They had to stay yeah. back. Uh, they had to set bounds upon them. And uh, if they did, they would be thrust with darts. They would be stricken. Amen. Uh, Moses alone goes up to the mountain uh, in the book of Exodus. And so he's holy and you're lightning and fire and and God is meeting with, with Moses to give him the law for the people. And yet, even as he's up in the mountain, they're already breaking the law. That hasn't mm -hmm. even been given to them. Mm -hmm. it, it kind of seems like, you know, God's got this issue because he's holy. And a lot of the things that go on, like you mentioned Mount Sinai, God wants the people to understand. Right. You get get a clue here you know it's important this holiness thing is an important thing right but at the same time god wants to be close to people sure he wants to be intimate with them right and, and that's the way that, that comes through acknowledging your sin mm -hmm. and asking forgiveness and repenting so that we can be one with god amen through a relationship that he has established not the any way we want to come but through his son the old testament of course is through sacrifices that are types of jesus to come but it's the same idea. Same idea. The yeah. blood covered the sin until the true payment to come. Amen. 
it was that sacrifice of blood that made them one with God. And if, when they fell short, they had to offer sacrifice, the blood would cover it again. Mm -hmm. And so um, that, that, that blood is, is the key to our relationship with Jesus Christ. Peter calls it the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. I think about, and I know you've mentioned this in studies from time to time, the graphic nature of bringing a little lamb up to the, to the yeah. tabernacle. And you're going to put your hands on the head of this animal yeah. as the high priest slits its throat. Yeah. And there's blood all yeah. over the place. But the individual would cut his throat. Okay. Each all individual right. would cut that so animal's So the priest throat. didn't do no. it? No. Each individual cut the throat. That's wild. The priest filleted it and laid it out and offered it. Uh -huh. But that individual tied that thing up, put his hands on the head, and cut that throat. You deserve this death, but this animal took your place. Amen. Yeah, that's very, a, very a powerful illustration yeah. of the the uh, the cost of sin yeah. and what's involved. Yeah. If you just tuned in, you're you're watching Keep It Simple today. We're talking about sovereignty and now the holiness of the Lord, and we'll be right back with you after these messages. We begin our character studies of different individuals of the Bible, and what better place than Adam? There are many women in the scriptures who are models of virtue and the grace of God, and certainly Abigail is one of them high on the list. Pastor Xavier Reese presents the significant people of scripture with his character studies of the Bible series, now available in MP3 audio format on a USB flash drive. This PC or Mac-compatible flash drive contains 169 messages in all, highlighting various figures throughout the Old and New Testaments. We want to begin our study of Mary by looking at the Annunciation. Our character study is Pontius Pilate. Tonight we'll be looking at Paul. From Adam and Eve to the Twelve Apostles and many, many more, Pastor Xavier Reese's Character Studies of the Bible USB flash drive makes a great study tool for the new believer and a perfect reference guide for the whole church. Get yours at the online store at CalvaryChapelPasadena.com. That's the Character Studies of the Bible USB flash drive at CalvaryChapelPasadena.com. Pastor Xavier Reese offers this simple truth about redemption. God does not violate man's free will, but whoever believes in Jesus shall be saved. The whosoever are those who choose to believe. The whoso won'ts are the ones who perish. People don't perish by God's predestination or election that would make them unjust. You choose to go there by rejecting the gospel. Check the online program guide for Pastor Xavier Reese's daily expositional studies here on Simple Truths Radio at CalvaryChapelPasadena.com. The need for strong family relationships has never been as crucial as it is today. And Pastor Xavier Reese offers a series of studies on marriage and the family underlying the necessary ingredients called for in a healthy home, such as the source of joy in marriage, Christian submission, God's role for men, God's role for women, even God's role for children, and so much more. It's Pastor Xavier's Marriage and the Family series, available now in the Calvary Chapel Pasadena online store as an audio CD album for $32 or convenient MP3 disc for just $10, containing 12 messages in all of God-honoring practical insights from Scripture. Whether you're new to the faith, newly married, wishing to start a family perhaps, or just want to realign yourself with God's divine plan for your marriage and family, this collection assembles key biblical teachings that endure the test of time. Stop by the online store today at CalvaryChapelPasadena.com for the Marriage and the Family audio CD album or MP3 disc. That's CalvaryChapelPasadena.com. We return now to Keep It Simple and this week's discussion, addressing issues of consequence for the church. 
hosted by Pastor Xavier Reese of Calvary Chapel, Pasadena. And you're back with us here at Keep It Simple this afternoon. We're sneaking up on the end of the year. Yeah. And this is actually our last broadcast Mate. of 2021. It is. Thank goodness. I'll be glad to see 2021 gone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was an interesting year in a, in a lot of ways. That it was. You know, John, we're so grateful and blessed to have the Simple Truths Radio Network, to have all of this um, important teaching from the scripture. Pastor Xavier in Spanish and English. Yep. Pastor Chuck Smith's yep. teachings, uh, teaching from the women's ministry. A lot of great content. This uh, this broadcast, we've done yep. 200 and some, uh, almost 19 shows on. Yep, and we do live broadcasts of uh, services at yeah, Calvary Chapel events. Pasadena. The uh, Simple Truths Conference yeah. this year we had live. Yep. And not to mention, we're beginning to do broadcasts on Rumble and other formats as well, yeah. YouTube Live, Facebook Live. Right. We have a couple of apps for people with smartphones or tablets. We do. And I only thought until today, I thought we had one, which is the app for the, uh, the Simple radio Truths Radio. App. Correct. We have, Calvary Chapel Pasadena has two apps. Okay. One is the Simple Truths Radio app. It's a dedicated radio player for Simple Truths Radio, which is audio. And like you were saying, 24-7, Pastor Xavier's archives, live services, live talk show, everything. Um, that just goes 24-7. Uh, we also have a second app in the app stores, uh, which is the Calvary Chapel Pasadena Church app. Now, this app uh, has a lot more than just the radio uh, player. Okay. It has church information. We're working on the church, uh, Pastor Xavier's archives. Uh, it's going to be very similar to the Word for the Day Chuck Smith app, the way it's all laid out. Cool. Yeah, which is exciting. Um, and, uh, yeah, so that is available as well in all the app stores. So right now, both apps are available on the Apple app store, mm -hmm. as well as the, uh, Google play store. And then there's now also the Amazon app, app store. store. Yeah. Which is Android only. Um, but our app is available on all three. Okay. Yeah. And Good. you know, there's always going to be different iterations of, of, especially the church app, you know, as, as it grows and things expand. Um, so yeah, just my advice would be for them, everybody to download it and just have it on your phone. And um, yeah, there's always going to be new, uh, new features, different iterations. Of so the app. whatever kind of a smartphone or device you have, if you go to the app store and then you, you uh, uh, search, search yeah, Calvary, Calvary Chapel, Chapel Pasadena, Pasadena. Yep. And you'll see both of those. You'll see both apps. Cool. Yep. Nice. Amen. Very nice. God is good. Amen. We thank, love it. Thank the Lord that he raises up men and women to keep all this technology stuff in order because <laughs> we could never do it. Right. Amen. <laughs> you know, Pastor X, today as we're going through and just talking about, at this point, the holiness of the Lord, I think about what an amazing advantage we have having the New Testament yes. and the Old Testament to be able to see the perspective as the Lord has laid this out through the ages. It makes a tremendous difference, sure. you know, because we understand, we get to understand in a very different way than the people, for instance, who were with Moses coming out of Egypt, they saw so little. I mean, they saw amazing miracles right. and they were responsible to God for all that stuff. But in terms of an understanding of what God was trying to do in the larger picture, they really didn't sure. get a lot it of that. It was just the beginning, really. Yeah. I mean, you know, um, um, the first five books were given to Israel. You know, Moses wrote those things. He wrote Genesis, Amen. you know, everything. 
And so uh, if you look at only the first five books and that's all you have, it's very small compared to the whole Bible that we have now. Amen. But everything in the Old Testament is prophetic, looking forward. It's uh, in part, is fragmentary, it's progressive, and the completion and the fulfillment in the New Testament. Amen. We have greater responsibility, I imagine. Right. So Also, you know, as, as the Lord is making this emphasis in His holiness throughout the Scripture, especially in the Old Testament, you know, Galatians tells us that uh, the, the law, the law of Moses, acts as a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. Right. Right. And, you know, that you see that played out yeah. practically. Because everything is pointed to Christ. Mm -hmm. Everything is prophetic of Christ. And so he's leading us to him. To hand us over from the law. The law was to protect us, to bring consequences. It teaches the holiness of God mm -hmm. and the attributes of God and everything. And yet in Christ Jesus, we see the fulfillment of all of God's plan. And so you have the book of Hebrews. You have types and shadows and forms. So really, the book of Hebrews is the Leviticus of the New Testament, the commentary Amen. on the fulfillment. So you have the prophetic looking forward, um, and you have, which is a type, and with, with a true type, then you have the anti-type, right. the fulfillment of it. And so you have the type of, uh, of Jesus being sacrificed and raised from the dead with um, Abraham offering Isaac. Mm -hmm. The book of Hebrews, book of Romans makes that a type and an anti-type. So it's very clear. There's a lot of things that may be uh, uh, emblems and shadows, um, and they are prophetic, and they are fulfilled in Christ Jesus, one being the prophetic type and the, the anti um, the fulfillment, fulfillment the of it. So yeah. the anti-type is a fulfillment of it. Mm -hmm. um, but sometimes people use a, a typology in, in, in a very loose form, yeah. which really is not a biblical type. Um, there are parallels and all that, right, but not right. types. Or even as a metaphor or right. something concerning a spiritual truth that's important. You know, I, it's, it's just interesting to think about people have, people have distorted perspective. I mean, you, the, the world is amazing, you know, just to look at the things that go on in the world. And the things that people will believe are difficult to understand. But God is working constantly and consistently to bring people to himself and um, I was thinking, I was, you know, just talking to the Lord this morning about singing. You know, why is it God wants us to sing and, and, and in that way? And, and I really think it's because God is, is working every possible angle to bring us. He realizes that he is our protection. Sure. This world sure. is a dangerous place. There's crazy stuff going on here. Yeah. You know, we talk all the time about people some of them famous, some of them just people we may have known who were really founded in walking with the Lord who are no longer walking with the Lord. Right. And, and that can happen to anybody. Sure. And so we desperately need to draw near to the Lord. Sure. To be covered with, with His holiness yeah. and to practice that. Yeah. And we are, we're the only ones that have something to sing about. Amen. <laughs> Nobody true. else does. <laughs> yeah. I mean, That's why there's we, so many sad songs have, in the world. Our sins are forgiven. We've been Amen. justified. We're God's instruments. Um, we give up our last breath. We're instantly present before the Lord. Um, if that doesn't give you enough motivation to sing, worship to God, then something's wrong. Amen. You're, you're, not, yeah. you're not plugged into what's really going on. It seems, you know, that God's holiness, again, it's not just a part of his nature, but it's something that kind of motivates everything in his action. 
and and it's it's so reasonable for us because it it overlaps or it has to do with all the other decisions that he makes. Sure. But it's the quality of God's life. Right. So it's not so much the motivation. The motivation of God is his love. Mm -hmm. He would motivate him to redeem man, to forgive man in his love. But he does have conditions for it. Yeah. Uh, his holiness is the way he acts and, and the quality which he is uh, in concert with man and all. Yeah. It, it's, a, it's unto perfection. It's without sin in every aspect of it. Mm -hmm. And uh, when he uh, does allow sin to be forgiven, he has to give a reason for that. Yes. He can't just say, well, I'm just sovereign, I just forgive you. No. No. It's the basis of blood. It goes back to chapter 3, verse 21 of Genesis. Amen. He killed a little animal to cover the, blood, the sin of Adam and Eve. Yeah. So from the beginning, the token of atonement has always been blood. Yes. And so he has made that plan for us. And so when he promises to forgive, is based on that token of atonement and the willingness of man to acknowledge their sin and to turn from that sin by trusting God, not himself. Yeah. God's holiness really demands that he bring consequences, doesn't it? Sure. Yeah. God's holiness demands his wrath and his wrath demands his holiness. Yeah. He judges sin. Either he judges it by self-judgment, acknowledging that God has made provisions for that forgiveness, or at the end of man's time with the white throne judgment, that person will be judged for their sins and they will receive the full consequences. Amen. Amen. So, and this is not something that he necessarily enjoys. No, no, he doesn't. He says, um, Peter says that he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should fall, come to repentance. So God's not willing that any perish, so he's always trying to proclaim the gospel through men so that people can hear and repent. But he knows that not all will repent. That's no, why he yeah. says that he died for the whole world, but only some come to the Lord. The disciples ask Jesus, are there many to be saved? He says, few. Yeah, and this is, I mean, one of the things the Calvinists, they try and use human logic against the scripture in, sure. in some way saying, well, why would God die for people that he knows are going to hell? Right, right, right. You know, that's yeah. not logical. That, that's human logic. It has nothing to do with scripture. Exactly. Nothing at all. Yeah. He died for the whole world. Amen. In 1 uh, John yeah. 2, 2, he says, and he is the propitiation for our sins, the believer. Mm -hmm. And not only our sins, but the whole world. That seems pretty clear. Simple. Doesn't it? Simple. I mean, how can you misunderstand yeah. that? Yeah, all the attributes yeah. of the tulip of, of, of Calvinism, yeah. all the prefix are anti-biblical. Man is depraved, not totally depraved. Right. Our image of God and likeness was not totally blurred out. Mm -hmm. We still have the ability to do goodness. A non-believer has the ability to do goodness, to be moral, yeah. to be kind, to be simple. He's not saved by that. But he has that ability, so it's not total depravity. Um, grace is biblical, but not irresistible grace. That's a Calvinistic doctrine. Yeah. So every one of the prefixes are anti-biblical. It's it's a man-made doctrine. They're just slightly tweaked. It. Right. You know, past yeah. what the yeah. what the scripture yeah. teaches. A, a, a Calvinism, the, the the tulip is a leaning tower of pizza. <laughs> well, probably the Leaning Tower is more secure than Calvinism, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> now, you said before that God's, God's holiness demands judgment. Right. Do, would it be right to say that God's holiness makes his judgment inevitable? 
That it's, it's certain. Yes. Okay. Of course. Same thing. Same will be judged. Yeah. Either now through the blood of Christ or at the white throne judgment. Yeah. Yeah. One of the two. Now, for believers in this world, you know, we are more accountable than other people. Right. We read the Bible. We know the Lord's real. We have a response, a, a different kind of responsibility before the Lord. I mean, I do yeah. than than I did before I was a Christian. Sure. But. God's, God's judgment in my life, the consequences that I suffer for my sin, are these purely corrective or are they punitive? Well, the thing is that when whatever life a person has lived, right. they have made some choices, some good choices, bad choices. Mm -hmm. They've received the benefit and the consequence of bad choices. Mm -hmm. When you come to Christ, he forgives you for all your sins. Amen. But some of those consequences still follow you. Mm -hmm. You know, if you've been an alcoholic before you came to the Lord, sometimes God, you know, as you turn your life over to Him, you don't drink anymore, and God takes care of your body. Amen. But sometimes you, you may already have cirrhosis, and God may choose that to continue. Yeah. And you end up dying of cirrhosis. Yeah, amen. Okay? God has also healed people of cirrhosis. So mm -hmm. there's the sovereignty of God. Why does mm -hmm. he heal some and not others? I don't know. We'll ask him when we see him together. Yeah. I know you've talked to, through the years, people who, for instance, have heroin addiction. Right. And have come to faith in Christ, and the Lord just took it away. Yeah. No, no withdrawals, no yeah. nothing. Yeah. We talked to a bunch of people, for instance, from Iran, who, where drug use is really terrible. Yeah. And they've had that situation. And then some of them will go back. Right. And into their sin again. Right. And then they have to suffer with the consequences. Yeah. And the latter end is worse than the first. Yeah. You become double yeah. in bondage. Yeah. Peter makes that very clear. When Peter's talking about, um, about um, those going back and being twice worse off, that's a Christian. Amen. That's not a non-believer. Mm -hmm. A non-believer is not, it says, been delivered and go back. So that's a believer. So Calvinism really falls quite short if you look at the scriptures. Yeah. It's just that they spin all the scriptures that hold to human responsibility and the ability of man to walk away from God or to return to sin and be lost. Yeah. And uh, the rationale that what kind of life did he give you, eternal life, then how can you lose that? It's yeah. a stupid reasoning. Yeah. That's human reasoning. Yeah, That's not biblical theology. No. No, Do the so. Calvinists also say something along the lines like, you know, if you, and basically you can't walk away from the Lord and you weren't really saved? Right. Yes. It's just A or B. Either you're saved or not saved. Right. Because uh, you're excluding the third possibility that people can't walk away. Right. Okay. So it's best to use biblical words like don't sin, don't backslide, don't um, drift, don't depart from the living God, don't apostatize. All those words are for the believer. Yeah. Not non-believer. Not right. one of those are for a believer. I mean for a non-believer. They're all for believers. Right. Every one of them. Right. Amen. This past uh, Sunday, you were talking about uh, the specifics about the judgment of hell and the place and the fact that it was created for Satan right. and his angels. Um, but that judgment, that really is a witness to the truth of who God is. Sure. You know? Sure. Every person in hell right now, no one's blaming God right now. No one in hell is blaming God for being there. Amen. Amen. They now believe who Jesus is. Yeah. But it's too late. Unfortunately. And that's 
That's why funerals are so important. For the most part, more lies are told at funerals than anywhere else in the world. <clears throat> because everybody wants to die like a saint. Yeah. And so everybody just kind of just glosses over the imperfection of the person. They just exalt this person like he was the greatest guy. And he was a rat. Yeah. You know what I mean? And funerals are for the living, not for the dead. Yeah. That dead person's made a decision. They, they're either before the Lord in heaven or they're in hell. Amen. And so the message of a funeral is to the believer. To be a witness to those that are there, but the message directly is to the non-believer who is lost. Yeah. That they might repent before they die. That they might understand that this person, if they knew Christ, they're instantly present. If they didn't know Christ, they're eternally lost. And you still have an opportunity before you die where it is that you spend eternity. Amen. No one can blame God. Nobody will, is blaming God right now. Every person makes a decision where they want to go. That debunks all of Calvinism. Yeah. Very simple. And, and it, it sort of actually it points us to the holiness of God being portrayed in the situation of Christ's death on the cross. Sure. Which is... You know, it's the yeah. center point of True. of human history. That's why Jesus said, "Why thou forsaken me?" Amen. Psalm twenty-two. Yeah, mm -hmm. from the cross, because mm -hmm. He became sin for us. God's holy. Yeah. He became sin. Second Corinthians five twenty-one. God made Him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. So He He became my sin. He took my sin. He carried my sin. Vicariously, he died for the entire world, for every sinner. Now, it's up to the individual sinner to acknowledge that and pick up the, the forgiveness, the redemption. He's not going to force it on you. The provision is made. Now, you make the, have to decide whether you want that or not. Yeah. And so it's very, very important. So the predestination of God for the believer is based on his foreknowledge. In other words, he knows who's going to accept and who's going to not. He doesn't force anybody to go to heaven or to hell. Because if God just chose a few, like Calvinism says, to go to heaven sovereignly, and they misdescribe mis, mis sovereignty mm -hmm. and define it, and then condemn the rest of the humanity, then how can God be just? How can he be good when all of them deserve hell? Yeah. It's a bogus doctrine. It is. It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so. so people... Make that decision that they're gonna they're gonna repent they're gonna, but then they have to walk in it. They right have to abide. They have to abide. Yeah. Jesus said to the disciples in John 15, "Abide in me," and he gives the example of the vine and the branches. And he says he cuts them out, casts them in the fire. So it goes from the illustration to the application. You, if your my word does not abide in you, I will cut you off. Yeah. He's talking to the dirty dozen. It's interesting. I don't know how many times I read John 15, and I never noticed that no. that it goes from a metaphor to personal application sure. to the individual. Sure. That's sure. pretty powerful mm -hmm. stuff. Yeah, those are the words of Jesus. He's the highest authority. If that's mm -hmm. the only scripture I had, I don't need any other. All I need is one. Amen. It's a great chapter, right? Yeah. There's a lot in there for us. <laughs> but Calvinists are used that for fruit. Yeah, well, fruit yeah. <laughs> good luck. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. and, and he does make the point about trimming them, pruning them so that you bear fruit. Sure. Okay, so the illustration is both in the, in, in the branch drawing from the vine, the vine is his father, yeah. and, and where are the branches? Mm -hmm. And if we're cut off, 
then we have no long, longer life source from it. So as that branch is cut off, they makes the application to us. You can't ignore that. But it is kind of extreme, too, to say if he's just talking about fruit, they take the branches and gather right, them up right, and right, burn them. Right, right. You but know? the focus is not just fruit. No. He talks no. about fruit, and that's why he prunes us. He, gets, he chastens us, and he deals with that. But then he says, if it, now, if you're chastening, if you don't abide, yeah. then what happens? Then you're on your own. That's it. Interesting. That's it. Mm -hmm. The place that people are never supposed to be. Yeah. We need to be under the Lord's protection. And, you know, uh, sin is, is being judged on the cross in the person of Jesus, just Absolutely. as it was in the Old Testament with the, the brass serpent Same that thing. Moses made, yeah. foreshadowing the yeah. death Jesus of Christ. Jesus looks back and he takes that and he gives the interpretation. There's a beautiful prophetic type, mm -hmm. and the anti type is Jesus Christ on the cross. Amen. As Moses lifted up the serpent, in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in it should not perish but have everlasting life. Amazing. Yeah, it is. It's, why, it's crazy to think about the fact that Christ's death on the cross is attributing his holiness to my life. Yeah. So that I can come into the, I can be accepted in the mm -hmm. presence of God. A legal transaction that yeah. made. Yeah, so important yeah. for us as believers to recognize that's mm -hmm. what the Lord is doing. Amen. Mm -hmm. You know, it seems very important that, that this is not this holiness that God wants people to walk in, Pastor X, you know, uh, take up the cross daily and follow me, he says in Luke. Uh, it, it's very important. It's not a suggestion. Yeah, no, you know, and it's there not an are, option. There are churches out there, you get the impression that holiness is kind of optional yeah. for people. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, there's, the problem is that so many churches don't teach the Word of God. And so people are, live their life by emotions, by circumstance, by situations. And if they have all the biblical jargon down, praise the Lord, Maranatha, hallelujah, you know, and, uh, and they just get caught up in crazy doctrines. And so they're living their life uh, on the edge, uh, not really as a sanctified life, not really mm -hmm. as uh, fellowshipping with God, not really growing in the knowledge of Jesus Christ uh, from a, babe to a young man to a father to you know on and on and on and um, and most people don't and that's the problem with the church the church is carnal um, yeah. and yet those who are serious with God they're, they're very much alive they're very uh, mature and they're ministering the gospel and and their ears tuned to God and there's such a pleasure to be around, yeah. you know, with people who are really walking with the Lord. It's like it lights up your day when you when you see. Refreshing, and, huh? Oh, it, it, it's so, I mean, I, I just can't say enough. I mean, there's so many people who are part of our church here that are just a blessing to me and an encouragement to me all the time. Yeah. You know, uh, this is not, Pastor X, this is not a new idea. This has been God's perspective from the beginning. Sure, sure. I mean, you look back to the prophet Isaiah in chapter 6, um, where he says, Woe is me, I'm undone. I'm a man of unclean lips, where he sees God on the throne there. And his throne filled the temple with his glory and all that. Mm -hmm. And um, he, he saw himself as a man of sin, unclean lips. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and God takes a coal of an angel from the altar and touches his mouth. And he says, Who should I send? Send me. So in other words, uh, in spite of our sinfulness, that we can turn to God for to forgive us and to sanctify us and to equip us with the gifts and all that's necessary, that he sends people out 
who are born again, who understand the relationship of Jesus Christ through the scriptures, who understands the need of repentance, who understands the needs of sanctification and holiness, who understands the seriousness of people dying without Jesus Christ, mm -hmm. and he sends us as instruments to share the gospel, motivated by the, God, the love of God. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. It's such an important issue for us. You know, the Lord really does punctuate it at key places in Scripture. Yeah. You know, and um, he, the Lord makes it plain. It, it, the thing is, is, as you said, people are not being taught the Scripture. Yeah. People yeah, don't yeah. read the Bible. Yeah. People are lazy. Amen. Let me say, first, pastors are lazy. Yeah. Pastors don't teach. They don't study. Uh, they rather just um, do topical studies and... Um, today, much of the emergent church is, uh, it presents the gospel as a social gospel. It's mm -hmm. a lot of um, spiritual cheerleading, uh, motivational speaking. Um, there's a lot of uh, cultural uh, liberties that are taking place and mm -hmm. misrepresent God, His Word. Um, but go through the Word, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book. <clears throat> and that should happen with every believer once a year, you should go through the Bible. Amen. Without any problem. And then you should be attending church and your pastor should be taking you through different books, uh, whether it be a Sunday morning in depth and then Sunday night in general and then midweek and in depth study of the other smaller epistles, whatever it may be. But you're growing. You're, you're trusting the Lord for that. You're doing your own studies. You're just reading to be fed by the Spirit of God. And then the pastor's doing his job. And God puts mm -hmm. the church together, and everybody is a part of the body, and God does His will through it. And if somebody's in a situation like that where they're reading the Scripture and they're spending time with the Lord in prayer and they're attending a Scripture, or attending a church rather, where the Scripture is really being taught line upon line, um, what's the likelihood that individual is going to be involved in ministry? Oh, they're going to be involved in ministry. Yeah. If they're growing, they're going to be involved. Yeah. Mature, you know, when when kids are kids and they're immature, they play with toys. Yeah. But when they become adults, they put away those childish things and they have to go to work. Right. They have to raise a family. Amen. They have to be involved. Yeah. It's the same with the believer. No different. And, and they so, want to, right? I mean, right. They, they can't help it, but to want to be plugged into yeah. the body yeah. of Christ. Yeah, right? you're going to be moved yeah. By, yeah. by what you're taking into your... It's not a duty that, oh, I got to do right. this. No. Yeah, <laughs> well, it's natural. Well, sometimes it's not all that convenient. <laughs> yeah, that's you true. You know, that ministry is, is not yeah. always all that convenient. That is true. But it is what you want to do. Yeah. yeah. But, you know. but again, it comes to the knowledge of understanding who God is and what he did for me. Yes. And what he wants to do. And so motivation for my actions towards God or the body of Christ is God's love. Uh, he first loved us, and then we loved him in response. Yeah. And that's always the case. You might be out there, um, and you've been hearing us. We pray that God would deal with your heart. Um, if you don't know him, that you would call on his name and repent and ask him to forgive you. He will do that. And he will just uh, give you uh, an incredible life. As you learn the Word of God, as you grow, get yourself in a church that's going to teach you the Word of God and not entertain you. And it's not that complicated. When the Spirit of God comes in you, He'll open up those doors. And that light will shine upon the Word of God for understanding. And just keep it as simple as possible. Don't make it that complicated. God bless you guys. You've been listening to Keep It Simple with your host, Pastor Xavier Reese on Simple Truths Radio. We hope today's broadcast has informed, encouraged, and challenged you in your own personal walk with Christ. 
For more information regarding Simple Truths Radio Ministries or Calvary Chapel Pasadena, please visit calvarychapelpasadena.com.